0: Welcome to Your Life Choices Podcast with me, your host, John Deeks, and today we have a very, very special guest, an award-winning Australian psychologist who has recently released a brand new book, and his name is Mr. Mr. Porrie. That's right, Mr. Peter Quarry. Mr. Peter Quarry. (laughs) I know that you always (laughs) like to be referred to when you're on Good Morning Australia with Bert
1: and others. That's it, Mr. Quarry. Well, Bert used to call me the resident and regular psychologist. Oh, and are you regular? (laughs) Well, (laughs) (laughs) I've only just met you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Peter, it's great to have you in and thank you so much for giving up your time and coming in live into the studio. Total pleasure. Well, Peter, you have um, realised that you're speaking to a lot of folks who are... 60 plus, I'm 72. And I want to say, I'm looking back at my life now. And I'm reflecting on a lot of the things that have gone on in the past. And just one little example of looking back and thinking, wow, I look at my children, and I see them with their little children. And I think, oh, I'm so calm with those grandchildren I, you know. and I see the mistakes the the parents are making, I don't say anything, <laughs> I keep my mouth shut but I think, wow, if only I could have had that experience transposed to when I was in my 20s with all of that drama and, oh, money and oh, all the rest of it, it's funny how we we move through in life and we tend to look back retrospectively and think, if only I
1: had that experience. Yeah. Look, I think the the issue of reflecting on your life, and it's very interesting you've said it that you've been doing it today, and when we spoke on the phone the other day, you also mentioned that you've been doing a lot of reflecting. And the reality is that when we get to a certain age, let's say kind of 60-ish plus, what interestingly Jane Fonda called the third act of life. We have this urge to reflect back, and it's quite a well established psychological fact. Um, what we want to do is, we want to try and make sense of what the hell just happened? <laughs> you know, like, and, and why did it happen so quickly? And why did it happen so quickly? Uh, you know, we want to try and... It's, I, I, I describe it like putting together pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. You put them all together, you try to work out what's going on, and all of a sudden a kind of an image starts to emerge. You start to get an understanding of who you are. Uh, there's a sort of connection between your past, the present, and the future. I mean, the, the developmental psychologist Eric Erickson called it ego integration the urge for ego integration, to try and make sense of what was happening in your life. So it's a very, very natural thing. So what you're describing is, congratulations, very normal.
0: Well, I just can't believe how quickly it's all gone. But um, I remember somebody said to Clint Eastwood, Clint, you're in your 90s. Why are you still making movies? And he said, I refuse to let the old man in. (laughs) Every morning I wake up and I refuse to let the old man in which is, I think, a very, very good saying because I prefer to look... When people say, oh, it's not like it used to be, nothing is like it used to be 60 seconds ago. So you've got to keep looking forward.
1: Look, absolutely, and that's why I say part of this this process of making sense of life is not just looking back, it's also looking forward to the years that we have left, trying to decide what do we want to do with them, how do we want to live them most most fruitfully. So this this urge to kind of make sense of your life is, is really quite common. The, the other thing that is very common um, in later life from a psychological point of view, is the urge to try and pass on your wisdom to those who follow. Erickson called it generativity. So this urge to kind of uh, pass on wisdom. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned watching your your adult children Mm. with their children and you're zipping your mouth. Mm. Sometimes we decide to not pass on our wisdom for political reasons. But at the same time, you know, we do have this urge. And the reason that I wrote the book was because I, I decided that I wanted to look at my life and try to make sense of it. Well, now just stop right there, the book of which you refer to, my friend, is if I
0: were you, a psychologist puts himself on the couch. That's the reason we have you in today, to (laughs) to look at this book that you have written. And the quote by Frankie Ballard, how am I ever going to be old and wise
1: if I ain't ever young and crazy. Yes. Yeah. And looking at you, I reckon you were young and crazy. Oh, you're so right. You're so right. Uh, and, and and not necessarily, you know, was. So, um, uh, look, when I, I mean, I had a very crazy life. And I, you know, I grew up in the 70s. We did everything. Yay. You know, I mean, what do they say? If you can remember the 70s, you weren't there or you were there or something or other. Um, I, I had a very crazy life. Uh, and I decided that I wanted to review my life um, because I'd been reading a little bit about the this idea of reviewing your life. And I thought, well, I'm going to have a go. Now, when I started the exercise, I actually wasn't intending to write a book. I very much said to myself, don't worry about a book because I didn't want to have that whole kind of commercial pressure, pressure, which is a real creativity killer. So I did it for myself. And I found it the most extraordinary exercise what for did you me. Oh well, look, the, the thing about doing a life review is what I call a life review is that there are really three benefits. You can make peace with your past, you can learn about who you are, and you can also plan for the future, as we just mentioned. So you you, you ask me, what do I get out of it? I'll give you one example. I had a very crazy childhood. My father died when I was two. My mother had, was German and she had lived through the bombings of World War II in Germany. So she was suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Not that we knew that then, of course. Um, and she, she was a very passive woman, kind of crazy, was quite inappropriate with me at a number of levels, and you know I go into detail in the book. And then I discovered when I was uh, 13 that I was gay, which, you know, in the late 60s, mm-hmm. you know, it was not a great time to find out about that mm-hmm. because there was no information. I mean, it's not like nowadays where half the kids come out on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So I had a very challenging childhood. And for most of my adulthood, I, I had this lingering anger, this kind of lingering, simmering sense of why me? Why did my father have to die? Why couldn't somebody else's father die? I felt a bit of a victim of the circumstances. Now, when I did this exercise, this life review, and looked back, one of the questions I asked myself is, is there a different way of looking at your childhood that will result in a different feeling? And the answer is, yes, there is. There is a different way. And that is to look at what did I gain out of that difficult childhood? What did I learn? What were the skills that I absorbed? And the reality is that I learned two fantastic life skills. Resilience, which is the ability to bounce back from difficulty – and adaptability, which is obviously the ability to cope with change. I have both of those skills in spade falls, and they are a direct result of the very difficult, challenging childhood that I had. So what did I get? One example is I now feel actually grateful that I had that childhood, whereas before I felt angry and a victim. Sounds like a it victim. Was liberating. Oh, hugely liberating. And, I mean, you know, your listeners would have every right to say, you're a psychologist. How come you didn't work this out earlier? Well, you know <laughs> Dr. Hilvon self. The correct. Correct. Exactly correct. Do you wish you'd written this book earlier? No. No, I, I, because the, there is a time when you have to do this piece of work. If I tried to do it in my 40s, well, it might have been an interesting exercise, but it would have been a different exercise. Would I, would I have had the same realisations? I don't know. It just felt like the right time to do it and, um, you know, I'm glad I did it. I mean, and that was just one of the uh, insights that I had. Another one that I had was that I realised that I'm a shocking hypochondriac. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you (laughs) laughed. Do a lot of do do a lot of your friends go? (laughs) You've just discovered that now. Correct, correct, correct. And you know we could we've been telling you that for years. years. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I mean, it's actually part of a broader pattern that I realised. Because part of this exercise is you start to connect the dots in your life that maybe and you see connections that maybe you didn't see before. I realised when I did this exercise that I'm a pessimist. And my pessimism actually comes out in a number of manifestations. So one is hypochondria. I always think I'm about to get sick. When I look at my investment strategy, I'm always down the low risk end because I always think there's about to be a crash. Um, in my late 30s, I split up from a very long-term relationship and I went into a huge spin. I, I ended up seeing a psychiatrist for two years. I went into a huge depression because I thought, wait for it, I thought I'll never meet anyone again. Mm-hmm. So th- when, I, when I wrote this book and I wrote about my life, I started to join these dots and I realised that I've got this pervasive pessimism. Where do you think it came from? Oh, I think probably from my childhood because I had a very, very rough time. So what I learned is that, you know, bad things are likely to happen. Um, but, you know, I've taken that insight and that learning and I've actually projected it forward because in thinking about what do I want to do differently going forward in my life, it's not just, you know, I want to lose weight or get fit or whatever. I want to be less pessimistic. And I realised turning 60 a few years ago now that I was actually quite freaked out about getting older. I thought, oh, it's going to be horrible. And it was actually my pessimism at work. Mm. So I've actually changed that. And now I feel a lot better about getting older. What tips and uh, helpful
0: uh, ideas do you give to folks who come to you or, or probably even worse, don't come to you, uh, but <laughs> who are listening to this now and have have regrets and they're at a certain age and they think, oh, you know, uh, the Ford, there's
1: only a few years ahead yeah. and, and whatever. How do you get them out of that funk? Well, I strongly recommend doing this exercise of doing a life review. Now, many people think of might think of it in terms of doing a memoir, you know, and, and that is a sort of very similar exercise. The, the thing with a memoir, though, is that a memoir tends to be descriptive. You know, I got married and then I lived in this house and then I did this and I did that. It describes the facts. And a lot of people are interested in that because they want to pass on the family history Mm. to those who follow. So it's a great exercise. But
0: that's a different feast.
1: Well, that's only half of the exercise. The other half that I'm interested in and that I write about in the book is how to unpack what happened, how to make sense of it, how to analyse it. That's why I call the the, the subtitle is A Psychologist Puts Himself On. On the couch. So, in the book, I describe how to do this and then I demonstrate by doing it on myself. So, it's not just writing about what happened, it's also unpacking it and analysing it. And that's about asking questions. Because your chapters are are letters to yourself, aren't they? That's right. That's exactly right. Explain to me about that. Well, when I, when I, was thinking about how would I do this book? I was trying to come up with a device and I came up with an idea of splitting myself into two characters. So there's Pete. Was that difficult? (laughs) Hey, I'm a psychologist. (laughs) Uh, uh, So there's Pete who's the kind of wild, you know, drug, sex and rock and roll, well, maybe not that much rock and roll, um, guy who wants to do a life review. He consults his alter ego, P.Q., which are my initials, Peter Quarry, which is what I used to be called when I worked professionally. So he consults this psychologist who's got you know 45 years experience, blah, 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 he, and says, I want to do a life review. Will you help me? And P.Q. writes back and says, well, why do you want to do a life review, Pete? And Pete says, well, I want to... And so it's a dialogue between Pete and P.Q., between, if you will, the client and and the psychologist, and it's all about how to do a life review. So I explain how to do it and then I demonstrate it by doing it on myself. And this uh, template could be used for for anybody of a certain age. Absolutely. Um, Well, look... It's interesting, you know, talking about memoirs. Apparently Prince Harry is coming out with a memoir later this year. Yeah, right Well, you know, okay, leave aside who he is, but it's interesting that he's in his late 30s and apparently he wants to do so in order to identify what lessons he can learn from his life Uh so far. So, you know, full marks to him. Obviously the longer you've lived, the more life you have to review and that's why I'm saying it's probably an exercise more for, you know, 50, 60 plus. how? What sort of template would I give? Well, obviously read the book because I give the template Mm -hmm. in that. But very, very briefly, um, what I suggest is that you start by breaking your life down into a number of what I call eras. That makes it easier. And I suggest aiming for between eight and 12 eras. Now, what is an era? An era could be your 20s. An era could be when you had pink hair, when you were in a rock band, when you were in a relationship with Mary, when you lived in a house by the river. How it, it whatever it makes sense to you. So identify eight, and I can see by the look on your face that you're actually starting to think of what are the eight to 12 eras of my life? I'm just remembering Mary. <laughs> he was a great, great guy, wasn't he? He was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you start by breaking your life down into those slices and then you write the first one up, what happened, mm. and then you do this unpacking, which is a questioning process. And I provide in the book a whole lot of different questions that you can ask mm. of yourself to help you to analyse. Why do we get old and cranky? Oh, I know why we get old, but why do we get cranky? Well, I don't know that everyone does get cranky. Oh, don't say that to me. No, No, I mean, you're you're not cranky. Well, maybe you are. (laughs) No, I'm (laughs) not.
0: But we we tend to get uh, a a little bit short- with people and a bit um, dismissive of uh,
1: technology or uh, what kids are doing today. In my day. Don't start me. Um, Look, I think we are no – it's not that we're more judgmental than we are when we're younger. It's just that we feel freer to be honest about it. I think that's it. You know, I mean, I find (laughs) – myself get, you know, sounding off at people. And I catch myself and I think, oh, I'm just turning into one of those cranky one of old. Yeah. So, you know, I try to catch myself, I mean, you know, and, and and stop it. And that's that kind of goes back to my comment before about how this exercise isn't just about looking at the past. It's also thinking about how do I want to be different going forward? And, you know, it's not, once again, not just about I want to lose weight or, you know, take up golf. I want to, in my case, I want to stop being pessimistic. I want to catch myself when I automatically go into a kind of pessimistic thing. Maybe for you, the challenge is to catch yourself when you get cranky. Yeah, that is right. And and look, I try not to because I I really believe
0: in in healthy mind. But again, my mum was like that. She was very healthy. She was very outgoing. She was very engaged with the community, et cetera, right to the very end, and was always optimistic. So I find myself being pretty much a very optimistic person. How much of our life as we are now in our 60s, 70s or whatever is a reflection of what we were when we were five, six or seven with our parents?
1: Oh, look, you know, obviously it's a huge reflection of that. And look, it's very funny. I just had a reunion uh, about two weeks ago. They're dangerous too. uh, With my psychology students from first year. And, I mean, we hadn't seen each other in a lot of years. (laughs) 50 years. Whoa! And, you know, if if I'd walked past any of them down the street, I wouldn't have recognised them, nor I'm sure would they have recognised me. But the funny thing is sitting down, once you hear them talking and once you see their mannerisms, it's like... It was yesterday. You know, it's extraordinary how similar we are, even though we're different. If that makes sense, it
0: does. Because um, as I get older, I'm becoming more like my mother.
1: <laughs> I am, and I'm. I, I'm sort of, I believe you. I believe you.
0: I, oh, you, obviously you knew her, <laughs> but uh, well. I find myself uh, being very much like uh, like my mother was. I mean, my, my father was in Arundel for most of my early life, <laughs> right. so he wasn't around. Yeah. But uh, certainly, uh, and she was a very strong woman, and yeah. and and she was there
1: for me and all the rest of it. So. It was was wonderful. I, I had a very similar realisation and I'd, I'd always thought that I was very different from my mother. And as I was writing the book, well, you know, ha-ha, kid yourself, uh, and PQ, who's part of me, yeah. said to Pete, another part of me, at yeah. one stage, you do realise you're incredibly like your mother and gave, like, several examples. Yeah. And I kind of squirmed. Pete squirmed for a while and then realised I'm actually...
0: I'm so happy
1: I am. My, yeah, I, I had a slightly more complex journey towards accepting Acceptance around that issue. But I finally, you know, I've always looked at my mother very negatively and it allowed me to sort of remember the positive things about her, of which there were many, many, many things.
0: What a heck of a life, though. What a heck of a life, growing up in Germany with the bombings and all.
1: Oh, totally, totally. totally, totally. I'm I'm looking at our producer, Ian, and
0: he's saying, wrap this up. Oh, Ian. There's so many more things I want to say, like uh, having my three older sisters and my mum. And, uh, which was which was great, except the hand-me-downs. I'll have,
1: oh. to, I'll have to bring the couch in next time. Peter Quarry, the author of If I Were You, is it out now? It certainly is. You have a website? I certainly do, peterquarry.com um, but it's available where all good books are sold and I'm very happy to announce I've just signed a deal. Uh, it's going to be turned into an audio book with global distribution, which is great. If I Were You, Peter Quarry, Q-U-A-R-R-Y an award, a a
0: multi-award winning Australian psychologist and Uh, I hope this is not the last time we meet Peter because
1: it's fantastic to have you on the show. It was a great pleasure I do hope to come back
0: I hope that you found this of great interest, I certainly did and remember for over 22 years Your Life Choices has been providing Australians with essential news, articles and retirement resources we have over 270,000 members and if you know someone who you think could benefit from Your Life Choices remember it's absolutely free to join Your Life Choices is Australia's longest established and most trusted digital destination for the over 50s. I'm your host, John Deeks. And until next time, and on behalf of the Your Life Choices team, be well, be happy, and we'll see you soon.